This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I want to mix a little bit of uh, a uh, Hanukkah shir together with a um, with a Pasha shir. But before I start off with the with the Hanukkah and Pasha shir, I want to tell you a story that I heard two weeks ago on a Friday, a week and a half ago on a Friday, and had a lot to do with the parsha last week's parsha. In last week's parsha, Yeshiv Atzadei, parsha of Yeshiv, is the whole um, the whole story. I wasn't here last week, right? Was I here last week? I was here last week, right? I missed Tuesday. I missed Tuesday night. So it was the the was the um, the whole story with um, with Yosef Atzadik, and he ended up in jail, which is very interesting. Mida Kenegi Mida. That um, Yosef Atzadik spoke Lashon Hara, spoke Lashon Hara on um, on his brothers. He said he saw them eating Avram and Achai. He saw a bunch of other things, and he spoke Lashon Hara. And it wasn't it, all all the things that he said weren't true, even though he thought they were true. Because from what he saw, we didn't check it out. He spoke Lashon Hara and ended up um, and ended up getting going back by by he brought the Basim Rod to his father and he told his father. All these terrible things. That's really why they judged him that he was Chaimisa, because of Lashon Hara. But it's just very interesting that Hashem works always Mida Kenegan Mida. So he, he said something that wasn't true about his brothers and, um, ended up causing his father a lot of aggravation. And, he, and his punishment was that Ashes Potifa spoke Lashon Hara on him also about something that wasn't true. She did exactly to him what he did to his brothers. Hashem, that's the way it works. God is very into Mida connected Mida, that what you do is what comes back. You know, they say what comes, what goes around comes around. Well, that saying doesn't come from nowhere. So, um, Yosef Atati gets thrown into jail. It's a very beautiful Torah that I, I never spoke about this before. Um, but I think it's very important. And there's such a crazy story that I heard that, um, that it fits right in. And it says, it says like this. What, what was Yosef's, what got him out of jail? The dreams, right? This week's parsh is, is Paro's dreams. What got him out of jail is that these, these two guys had a dream. The, the, uh, the, the baker had a dream and the wine, uh, steward had a dream, right? Uh, the, uh, um, Mashkim. And he translated the dreams and Paro had a dream and Sarah Mashkim remember, he forgot him, then he remembered him and said to Paro, well, I know this kid, this Jewish kid that, um, that Translated my dream, maybe you can translate your dream. Where, where, where did this all come from? And it came from one thing, girls. One thing. In the past, we talked about Avraham Avinu with this, this word. It says the following. Both of them had a dream that night. So these two guys had a, these, these two, um, had a dream, the, the cupbearer and the baker, right? And, um, each one had his dream on the same night, and each one had a different dream. So this is where it all happened. And, and Yosef came in the morning. Remember we talked about Abraham Avinu, that there's two Vayars, there's the first look, Right, which is Vahini needs of Allah, you don't really see what's going on in the person's life. You make a judgment call right away. That's not the real look. 
That's not the way you can make friends or help anybody. You have to always take a second look, right? Then it says, Vayyavayaretz across him, he took a second look. There were a lot of people, there were a lot of things going on in that, you could imagine that that prison was full of prisoners. But listen to what the Pesach says, Vayar Osam, he, he saw them, Afim, and they were like upset. Let's see how they, how he translates Afim in English. Um, they were aggrieved. So, so Yosef Atzadik, who is now in jail, who was actually, the, the jailkeeper liked him very much, he was like the top of the jail. He sees these two guys, these two prisoners, and it bothers him that these two Egyptians are not having a good morning. He looks at them and he's like, you guys are not in a good place. What, what, do you, what, what does he care? He has his own problems, right? So it says, no, okay, so there's many times you go to work where you get on the bus and you see people who just don't look very happy, right? This is what happened there. But the difference between Yosef Atzadik and me is I see someone who's, who's messed up on the bus who I don't know. I'm like, some of, I say to my friend, oh man, that guy looks like he had a really bad night, right? But that's it. Have a good day. I don't know him. Says the Parsik. That's what got Yosef out of the prison. That's what made him the king of Egypt. He asked them, what's going on? Why are you guys so upset? Do you hear? It wasn't that he just saw, oh, there's, okay, there's two people at work. No, so there's two kids in my class. They don't look so happy today. It must have been, you know, they didn't have a good night or whatever. They didn't have a good day. No, Yosef Atzadik, who had nothing to do with these people, because they didn't look happy, their faces were down, he said... What's going on? Why am I doing Panechem Why? Why are you upset? We had a dream, and nobody seems to be able to figure it out. So he says, he says to him, okay. He says, interpretations belong to God. Relate it to me, if you please. Okay. So then we get into Pasha's into Pasha's Mikates. Now there's a there's a learning curve here. And the learning curve is as follows, which is very important. Yosef made a big mistake. One of the reasons he got thrown into jail was he made a statement. You never challenge HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to be very careful. What he said is the following. He says, the Pesach says the following. And by the way, this happens to be a very big Yitzhahara for people who are successful. People who are successful have more problems in Amuna than people that are not successful. It's a very interesting thing. You would think that rich people have Amuna, they have a good life. And poor people are like, why are you doing this to me? Maybe there's no God. How come I'm not married yet? How come I'm not making money? How come I don't have kids yet? So you think that those people are the people that don't have Amuna. It's the exact opposite. The people who don't have, they have Amuna. The people who do have, they like, of course I'm rich, I'm smart. Uh, of course I'm married, I'm pretty. Uh, of course I have kids. Why shouldn't I have kids? It's the opposite way around. So, what happens here is the following. In Perik Lamates, it says the following. And Hashem was with Yosef, the Torah is telling us. Because God was with him, 
he was very much liach. And his master saw that God was with him. The master, this low life Potiphar saw that it wasn't Yosef, but that God was with him, and whatever he touched turned to gold. Okay? And he found favor in Potiphar's eyes. Whatever Potiphar had, he put in his hands. He gave him everything. Keep saying this over and over. And the house of the Mitzri was blessed only because of Hashem. Whether it was in the field or in the house, it, it, it just blossomed. Okay. So what does Yosef say? He lets me have everything in the house. Here, here is his downfall. You ready? And this is what happens when you become very successful in many different ways. And I have met many people who are successful who have said this Pasuk Hashem should protect them. Shouldn't happen to them what happened to Yosef. And this is what he says in Pasuk Test, and you should blow it up and put it in your house, and every time you look at it, remind you what happened to Yosef. And this is what he said. He's talking to Potiphar's wife, and he says the following. There is nobody greater than me in this house. You're done when you talk like that. He's telling Potiphar's wife, I am the greatest thing that ever happened. Look at me. I'm your fast boy. I'm beautiful. I run the house. So he makes a statement, comes out of his mouth. There's no one greater than me. He doesn't say Hashem is the greatest. He says, A name God of the many, the me many We'll see how he translates this. There's no one greater in the house than I, and he has denied me nothing but you. Right? That's what he tells her. Because you are his wife. The minute the words came out of his mouth, that there's no one greater than me in this house, Hashem said, I will show you that I'm still greater than you, and you will no longer be in this house. And right after this is where she puts him into jail. So he made the mistake. You know why I'm married? Because I had a good shot. You know why I'm married? Because my parents have money. You know why I'm married? Because everyone likes me. The minute a person says that, you're opening up such a can of worms. You know why I'm successful? Because I'm a smart businessman. The minute you open that up, Akash Baruch says, really? You think it's you? You think you, think you ain't any gut of our bias? There's no one bigger than you in the house? In two seconds, within 24 hours, you're going to be sitting in the lowest jail of Mitzrayim. And that's where he ended up. And that was a very big lesson for him. And this was the second time it happened to him. By by Yaakov, he got to send his pasim. He was Yosef. He was the favorite son. Hashem said, you think you're the favorite son? You think you're special? He ended up in a hole with a bunch of Nechashim uh, uh, and, 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 and Akravim. And then he came out of the hole and Hashem said, you know what? I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to bring you down to the tribe in the lowest place and I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you 
the head of the household. Instead of saying, listen, lady, you know why I'm anything in this house? Because of Hashem? He said, no, there's no one greater than me. Hashem said, really? Now I'm going to do it again to you. I'm going to put you back in the hole. And you put him back in the hole, and you put him back into, into jail. Now, watch how things change. When he's talking to the, to the, to these two, to the, to the baker and to the wine steward, he says something very interesting. He says, Haloi lelokimpis rainu. He doesn't say, I can translate it. He says, the translation belongs to Hashem. Okay. Now listen to what happens. And he, he again sinned a little bit by saying to the Sahamashkim that don't forget me, you gotta get me out of here. Yosef, at this point, you should realize that he's not gonna get you out of there, but a Kershbach was gonna get you out of there. But finally, when he does come out of there, listen to how his, how everything changes, and it's an amazing Kiddush Hashem. The other thing was a Chil Hashem. He tells her, I'm the greatest. That's not a Kiddush Hashem, that's a Chil Hashem. But listen, listen to the change, and the change is as follows. So they, they pull him out, and he comes in front of the king. And he says the following. I had a dream and nobody's able to translate it. I heard about you, Leim was saying, that you could hear a dream and you could interpret it. So now, again, he's the favorite son in the hole. He's the favorite guy in the house back in the hole. Now he's back out of the hole and he's standing in front of Paro and Paro's building him up again. He's saying, like, you know, I heard that you're, uh, you know, you can, you can translate any dream. But this time Yosef is very, very, very careful. My Yan Yosef as Paro and Yosef, because it sounds very interesting when you read it in Pasha's Mika. It's like, what is, why is he saying this, right? My Yan Yosef as Paro, Lamar. Yosef says to Paro saying, Bil Odai Elohim, Yane Eshloim Paro. He says, this is beyond me. Only Biladai, it's beyond me. Elohim Yana Eshleim Paro. Only God can answer this question. He totally changed. He takes zero credits. Okay? So he tells him the dream. So then Yosef says, Yom Yosef El Paro, Chaloim Paro Echadu. Your two dreams, it's one dream. It's a Sheh Halokim Oser. What God is going to do, he tells Paro. And he tells him the seven good years, seven bad years. Now we keep going further down. And he says the following. So, so far he's taking no credit whatsoever. And Paro becomes happy because now he has the translation. Did you ever meet a man, Asheruach Elokimbo, that walks around with the Spirit of God because Yosef continuously, everything he said, he took zero credit and he said, I don't know anything, but this is, if God helps me, God will translate it, God will translate it, God will tell you what to do, God will tell you what the good years and the bad years. 
So by, by talking about Hashem all the time, which is something we not need to learn, right? Please be God with Mitzvah Hashem, with the will of God. I don't really know how to do anything. At the end of the day, my brains, my brawn, and everything that I have comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does that do? Besides that, that's correct. What does that do? And the answer is the lowest betrayal, the lowest country, the most immoral country with the most immoral king that ever existed says to all his servants, to everybody, and I'll tell you a story like this, to everybody in Mitzrayim, and he says, Did you ever meet a man that walks with Hashem, that walks with the Spirit of Hashem? He does, he's not finished. After God told you, as called those, all this, ready? Ain Navon Lachacham Kamalcha. There's no one as smart as you. One second, you just said it's all God. You just said it's all God. So what do you mean there's no one as smart as you? And the answer is that Paro realized that everything was coming from Hashem and that the man in front of him was not like any of the other Khartoumim because the man in front of him took no credit. He gave God all the credit. He said, that's a Chacham. That's a Navon. A person who realizes that after he translates the king's dreams that nobody can translate, and he's saying, it's not me, it's Hashem, there's no one like you. In Mitzrayim, everybody took credit for everything. There's no person as wise as you. The wisest person is the person that sees that it's God. And that's why most of the atheists in the world are very brilliant people. They're physicists. There's a guy, a famous physicist, who wrote proof that there is no God. These stupid people don't, are not atheists. Because stupid people don't really care if there's a God. Just, you know, do it like Nike. Have a good time. They don't care. It's a very, very smart people. And I, and, I, and I had this whole discussion with someone a few months ago. Why the brilliant scientists, right? The brilliant scientist who's a microbiologist, right? Who's a physicist on the highest level, the greatest philosopher. Why are they atheists? They, they see the physics of the world. They, they understand the craziness of every molecule. If anything, I may not know that there's a God, but if you unleash and you're able to see all this, you should be like, wow, there's got to be a creator. It couldn't just happen on its own. And I, my answer to this is that they are selfish. Because if I am very smart, and I believe that my smartness comes from God, then I'm really nothing. So I'm not... You know who I am? You're nothing. You're, God gave you 185 IQ. Thank you very much. But it's not, it has nothing to do with you. God gave you the IQ. So they, they want credit for that. I'm, I'm the biggest doctor. I'm the biggest physicist. I do open heart surgery. So there can't be a God because there's a God. My hands move only because of Him. My brain works only because of Him. I lose all my accreditation. I'm nothing. So specifically the brilliant people, they have to be atheists. Otherwise they feel like, so, so that's what happened over here. Over here, he said, to, he said, everything's God, everything's God, everything's God. So he said, unbelievable. That's a smart person. Not the physicist. This is a smart person. This guy is walking around. He has a chance to take credit. He just solved a problem that no Egyptian could solve. He should be walking around with his head up. And he's like, it's Hashem. Yeah, Hashem told me this. And Hashem's this. And with Hashem's help. And it's a Hashem. So he, so the Kiddush Hashem that he made, but it's much bigger than that. Because it's not only going to say, it's not only going to help you with that, it's going to help you in life. Because at the end of the day, a terrible thing happened to Yosef. He was sold by his brothers. 
we, we can't even understand such a thing. Sold by his own brother down to Mitzrayim to, to someone who bought him for the really the wrong reasons, ended up in jail. How could he not be angry at his brothers? I mean, you know, everyone wants to learn, and we learned that about Rachel, that they weren't human. They were human. And his brothers, a proof that they were human is his brothers, when Yaakov died, the end of Pasha Vayichi, when Yaakov died, his brothers were like, okay, till now you didn't kill us all because our father was alive and you didn't want him to get upset. But now that our father died, you're going to kill us all, aren't you? So they made up a story, the Shvatan, and they told Yosef that Yaakov on his dying bed left a will that he shouldn't hurt them. But that didn't really happen because Yaakov didn't even know that they sold him. Binyamin never told his father what really happened. So it says in the Pasuk, he said the following. Yeah. Pasuk all the way at the end. Pasuk says, The brothers of Yosef saw that their father died. They said, uh oh. They said, perhaps Yosef will nurse his hatred. In other words, he hates us. In other words, they, he was human. Right? He's going to take revenge. It's called a rush. To all the bad that we did him. So they're saying that they did him bad. And they're saying, well, our, brothers, our brother is human. And he is going to now kill us. So they made up a story. They all came and told Yosef, Avicha, your father, Tziva Lifnei Moso, Lamar, your father, Yaakov, told us before he died, Koshem Yosef, this is what you should tell Yosef, please forgive your brothers for what they, what they tried to do you evil, right? When Yosef began to cry, says Rashi, listen to this, says Rashi, Avicha Tziva. They said that, that Yaakov said this. Shinei Bidava. They made this up. Vipnei Hashalom. Because they want a peace. He liked Tziva Yaakov came. Because Yaakov never said that. Now why, some people told that Yaakov did know about it. Why wouldn't Yaakov say that? Don't hurt your brothers. Because Yaakov knew his son Yosef. He wasn't worried that Yosef was going to hurt his brothers. Yaakov knew what his, what his son was all about. So they made up this story that Yaakov said that, but Yaakov never said that. So, so listen to what happened to Yosef, who learned his lesson after two times being thrown in the pit. They said, "Listen, don't kill us, but like you know, make us servants." Yosef He didn't say. He didn't say. Don't worry, you're my brothers, I love you, I wouldn't do anything to you. He said much deeper. He said, Ki alakimani. Why should I be angry at you? I have no reason to be angry at you. Why should I make you servants? Why would I hurt you? You didn't do anything. They look at him like, what are you talking about? You guys thought you wanted to do me a bad. But Hashem is the one who runs the world. And he, he put this whole thing together for the good. Because now I became the second in command and I was able to save the world. 
She says, don't worry, I'll feed you and I'll feed your children. So, the lesson that we learn from here, the lesson that we learn from here, is not only that a person who realizes that everything comes from Hashem, their greatness, their power, their position in a business, their position in life, when they realize that everything comes from Hashem, the people who hurt them, the people who do bad things to them, they don't have a problem with it. Because they know that you can't hurt me unless Hashem signed off that you could hurt me. So even though you're doing it, and Chashti, it's an unbelievable puzzle. Chashti and Lira, they, they, they didn't know it was the will of God. They sold Yosef. They're jealous for whatever reason, they sold Yosef, right? He says, that was your Machshava, but who do you think gave you that Machshava? He said, at the end of the day, Hashem knew that he was doing something good. I'm not angry at you. So if someone insults you or hurts you, they can't hurt you unless Hashem signed off that they should hurt you. So if you realize that it's coming from Hashem, I'm, 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 I'm not angry. My father used to talk about this a lot. I'm not angry at you. Could you imagine to be on that level? Someone walks in and insults you in front of the whole class. And instead of being angry at this girl and saying, I'm never going to talk to her again, you go home and you sit down at the edge of your bed before you go to sleep at night. And you're like, listen, I know what this girl did. And I know that Hashem would have never let her embarrass me in front of the class. What did I do wrong that Hashem said she should embarrass me? Not I'm angry at her. What did I do wrong? Because it must be I embarrassed somebody. Did you, in other words, not only you're not angry at the person who hurt you, you're angry at yourself. You, you, you're going into yourself to try to figure why would Hashem allow this person to hurt me? That's where Yosef ended up. It's like, Angry at you? I'm not angry at you. I'm not angry at you. Hashem had me sold so that I could save the whole world. We, that's where he ended up. But where did he start? He started? There's no one greater in this room than me. That's where he started. Here. And where did he end up? Here. That goes back to Yaakov's, Yaakov's ladder step by step. So... The lesson that every person has to take, it's very hard. I'm not telling you it's an easy thing. My father, when he died, he didn't leave a will. But he had a Ma'am Loes, a safe from Ma'am Loes, which he was very, very into that he learned every week. And anything that was, like, important to him, he would underline. The Dratari, he would underline. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a will from him. I didn't know what he wanted. So one day I opened up his Ma'am Loes, and I started reading through all the pastures of what he underlined. And I realized that that was important to him, that was the message that he would be giving me. And one of the things he underlined, which I showed to my friends, is that nobody can steal anything from you. Nobody can steal anything from you, unless God signs in Shemayim that that person can steal from you. So that when someone steals from you, instead of getting angry at the person who stole from you, yes, they have to pay you back, but instead of getting angry at the person who stole from you, this, this is what the Bible lawyer says, and he underlined this, think of maybe something you stole from someone else. I remember learning that I had to show it to my, I, I, at the end of Shiva, I, I showed it to all my friends, I'm like, who my father was. Someone stealed from you, instead of saying, oh my God, how could this happen to me? It's like, why did this happen to me? Not, how could this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Hashem would never let someone steal from me unless I did something else to someone else. Hashem would never let me be insulted unless I insulted someone else, unless I spoke Lashon Hara to somebody else. That's how a person has to think. That's, Yosef went from 
I am the greatest to Pashat Miket, where we are now, where everything is with Hashem, where at the end, even if you hurt me, in Pashat Miket, he's saying, I translated, I didn't translate, Hashem translated. So that's a positive thing. At the end of Pashat Yechi, he grew to a point, he grew in his, in his midos to a point where he told his brothers, you didn't hurt me. You're like, you're gonna take, take revenge for what? You didn't do anything. Hashem did it. It was all his plan. That, that's how much, how much a person can move. Now talking about how much a person can move, I want to tell you a story that I heard. So there was a young woman, she was 31 years old, she passed away on Shabbos afternoon two weeks ago in the five towns. Her sister happened to have been in my seminary. Very sad, very, very sad. The boy, the, 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 she, her husband passed away two years ago. She passed away now, seven-year-old boy, no parents. Mamish like the times of the Beis HaMikdash, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. We're in Mashiach's time. Mamish in the times of Mashiach. He has no parents, so his grandparents have him. So I went to be Menachem with this girl on a Friday morning, but I went to Davin. She wasn't up yet. Um, I went to Davin. They Davin at 7 o'clock. It was very early, and the boy wasn't up yet. So I sat down by the grandfather. By the father, by the father of the of the girl that passed away, and I'm sitting there, and I want to give him chizuk. So I told him I hold Torah on Purim that that Esther had no parents, and the reason she had, her mother her father died when her mother was three months pregnant. I've given this shim many times, and her mother died at childbirth, and she was born without any parents at all. And the reason for that was because she had to be perfect in of Aim, and she was the only one that could destroy Haman. In the end, we see that both her parents passing away was the only, gave her the ability to be Esther Hamalka at the end of the day. So I said, when, you, when your grandson grows up, don't tell him now. When your grandson grows up, make sure you tell him this medrash, that there was another person who had no parents as a young kid, and she ended up being Esther Hamalka. So he could be Dabar HaMalach. You know what I'm saying? So, but don't tell him now. He's seven years old. He doesn't want to hear that. Okay, I'm trying to give them chizik. It's very, very broken. They have another a daughter that's, that needs a refuah shalema. So it's like a really, really sad thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to give this man chizik. And he turns to me and he says, Walston, you know, you tell, you tell, you speak a lot. I, I want to tell you something. He says, a few days ago, my daughter's friend, very close friend, came to be Menachem Avel. Now this girl who passed away, girl, woman, 31 year old, she worked in a clothing store in the five towns. I think for the last 10 years. She worked in a clothing store. That was her job. That's what she did. So she tells the father, I'm, I'm telling you this, but your daughter swore me to secrecy that I would never tell this to anybody. But now that she passed away, I, I don't think that's the shvur is there anymore. So I want to tell you her secret. Your daughter had a secret. I want to tell you. See, this guy's thinking, who knows what this, girl, this girl's going to tell her. She said, she was very skinny, this, this 30-year-old, 1-year-old. So she worked in the store. And she, she told her friend, she said, I want to tell you what I'm doing, but you can't tell anybody. Sure, what are, you, what are you doing? She goes, every time a girl walks in to the store, it's a little overweight. I don't bring her the, her size. I bring her a size bigger than she needs. So when I bring the size bigger and she puts it on, I'm like, that's too big. And she turns to her mother and says, you see, you said everything's tight on me. Not everything's tight on me. Look, I lost weight. Every single girl that walked in that looked like she was a little bit upset about her weight, this girl would bring her a size bigger than she needed so that she would feel good and say, you see, not everything's tight on me. This dress is even too big. I thought I lost a little bit weight. For 10 years, this was her secret. I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? 
What? Such chesed? Such a simple little idea? Vayar. Vayar is the secret of everything. Vayar was the secret of Avram. Vayar was the secret of Yosef. He saw two people who woke up in the morning, weren't happy, and he asked them, what's wrong? You can work in a store, and this girl had a very hard life. So you'd think, she has a good life, she's worried about everybody else. She had to worry a lot about herself. And she came up with this little idea, who knows how many hundreds of girls walked out of that store happy. Not only that, you know what, I lost a little bit of weight, maybe I could lose a little bit more. Maybe this, that size got too big, maybe the next size will get too big. I don't have to tell you girls how your mind works, right? And, and, and mothers were walking out of there like, you know what? She tried on something that was too big. And, 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 and it didn't look good. And she brought her the next size, lower, and she fit into it. Such godless. From where does that come? From, from being Rosh Hashiva, from being a Rebetzin, from, from being Mama Rachel, from what? She worked in the five towns, in a dress store. From what? From Vayar. From looking at the other person and seeing their struggle. That's godless. That's Hanukkah. That's Hanukkah. And I'll tell you why that's Hanukkah. Because if you look in al that we say, so my favorite shot, which I think I said at the Agoda Convention, because I, I kept hammering the same thing. So it says, first of all, it says in al it says, they, they wanted us to forget our Torah. No, that's not true. They didn't want us to forget our Torah. They didn't want us to learn our Torah. They didn't let us learn our Torah and then say you could forget your Torah. They had a, an edict that you're not allowed to learn any Torah. So what does this mean? That they, that they told us to forget our Torah. Number one. Number two, if you look in the whole, in the whole, um, in the whole Alanisim, you'll see that it doesn't talk about the miracle of the menorah. It talks about the war. Then it gets to the bottom and it says, Achakain, right, they won the war. Achakain bold, they turned it over. And they made it holy. They made it tohor. And they lit the menorah. And they made these eight days to praise Hashem. What happened to the miracle that it was supposed to lie for one day and it lay for eight days? Not one word in al about this. The main miracle of Hanukkah, right, is that they lit, it for, they lit it for one day and it lasted for eight days. How come it doesn't say that in al it just says they cleaned it up, and they lit the menorah, have a good day, everyone's, everyone's saying halal. And the answer is, very fascinating answer. We spoke about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I read you a medrash, a medrash tan chuma, that Yaakov didn't want to go on the ladder, remember that? Yaakov, Hashem said, get on the ladder, he had a dream, and in the dream he had a ladder. And Hashem showed him that ace, that, that, that Yavan went up the ladder, got thrown off. And Madai got, Persia got up, thrown off. And the Greeks went up, and they threw him off. And Esau went up and he threw him over. And Hashem said to Yaakov, why don't you get on the ladder? Why don't you get on the ladder? And Yaakov said, I'm not getting on the ladder because you're going to throw me off. And Hashem said, I promise you I won't throw you off. And Yaakov said, I'm still not getting on the ladder. 
and he didn't believe Hashem. And they asked the question, what do you mean he didn't believe Hashem? We learned this message. And the answer was that he didn't believe that the Jews would be good till the end of time, so we're going to deserve to get thrown off. You're going to throw us, throw, you know, Hashem, you believe in us, but I don't believe that we're going to be that good. That's what Yaakov was saying. In the end, Hashem said, because you didn't get on the ladder, because you didn't get on the ladder, the Jews were going to Golos, you'll end up in Golos, because you would have gotten on the ladder, you would have never gotten into Golos. You would have been fine. Okay. So, the whole learning of this thing is that, that Yaakov Levinu should have, you gotta get on the ladder. I've spoken, I've spoken to school this week. Hashem wants you to get on the ladder. Don't worry about falling off the ladder. You can't learn how to ride a bicycle without falling off the bicycle. The bottom line is, every kid before they learn how to ride a two-wheeler without training wheels, they're gonna scrape their knees and they're gonna scrape their elbows. We all do. You gotta try. You can't start walking unless you fall. You gotta get up. Failure is not to get up. Failure is not to fall. I, I, once, I read this in a book. It was very, very fascinating. Failure, everyone thinks is failure is to fall. Failure is not to fall, girls. Everybody falls. Every child falls before he wakes, before he gets up. Everyone riding a bicycle falls before they ride a bicycle. Failure is not to fall. Failure is not to get up after you fall. That is failure. Failure is not to fall. For some reason, we teach everyone, you cannot fail, you cannot fail. If you fail, you're done. No. People fail. We all fail. We all try something, and it doesn't work. You got to get up, and you got to keep trying. You know, the, the Panavacharov, I said it today in school, Panavacharov, Panavacharov, the biggest yeshiva in B'nai Brak, the Panavacharov yeshiva, all the Gedolim came from. So it says that when he came from Europe, from the Holocaust, so he was standing in the middle of B'nai Brak on a rock. There was nothing there. Zero. And he stood on top of a rock, and he had one student. That's it. One student. And he turned to his student, and he said... Right where I'm standing, we're going to build the biggest yeshiva with the biggest Talmidei Chachamim. It's going to be the center of B'nai Brak, which was nothing then. And the one student looked at his Rebbe, a little bit chutzpahdik, and he said, I think the Rebbe is chalaming. I think the Rebbe is dreaming. It's a very famous saying. He's standing on a rock. He just came out of the Holocaust. There's no Jews alive in the world. And you're telling me you're going to build the biggest yeshiva in B'nai Brak where there's, no, where there's nothing? So he told his Rebbe, I think you're dreaming. And the Rebbe looked at him, the Panavacharov, and he said, you're right. I am dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. Very famous saying. People who, people who dream when they're sleeping get nothing done. People who dream when they're awake, they do something about it. He says, and Panavach Yeshiva is the biggest Yeshiva in B'nai Brak, with thousands and thousands of students in Gedalim and Tzadikim, and the whole B'nai Brak got built around Panavach Yeshiva. He stood there on a rock, he said, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. What... Yaakov Avinu did not know that right next to his head while he was sleeping while he was saying to Hashem I'm not getting on that ladder with a little can of oil says the Medrash because there's a very big question the question is that when he woke up from the dream he took the stone from underneath his head he made it into a monument and it says and he poured oil he anointed it that's how he made a monument he anointed it with oil but we know that Eliphaz when he, when he met Yaakov took away everything that he had including his clothing he threw him into a lake he had nothing he didn't have underwear he had nothing says and he, had, he was laying in, he's sitting in the lake and he's diving to Hashem I can't get out of the lake I don't have clothing Eliphaz took everything so it says he brought a, a, a guy came by an Arab and he went swimming and he put his clothing on the sea on the shore and he drowned. And that's the measure says. And then he got his clothing. So they, they asked the Kasha, one second. If he had nothing, how did he wake up and put oil on a Mateva? Where did he get the oil from? So the measure says that Hashem put it on Har Maria 
happened when he created the world was this little teeny can that was sealed with the coin gadol, which is, Hashem is called the coin gadol. And this can, this can, was the can that later on Yaakov, it says, pachem ketanim, he left small cans and he went back to get it. Says the Medrash, that, why'd he go back? Because that was that can. What was special about that can? That when he anointed the rock, the can refilled itself. The little can. He poured it out, it refilled itself. So he knew there was a very special can. And the Medrash says, and he brings rise to it, that the oil from that can anointed the Mishkan, Dabar HaMelech's Malchus, maybe that much better, Dabar HaMelech, the base HaMikdash, Shlomo HaMelech, and a few other things, and that that will be the oil that will anoint Mashiach. Okay? Came from that can that was right next to his head when he said, I'm not going up that ladder. He was sleeping. He didn't see that can. Says the Medrash Rabbah, that was the can that they found on Hanukkah. It was a small can. You ask the question, it doesn't make sense. Why didn't Hashem, if he's going to make a miracle that the, that the, the Yavanim should not find a can, should have been a big can. We wouldn't have had the whole thing. This can, it says, they specifically, because of what it was, it was hidden in the Beis HaMikdash, in a very, very hidden place, because it's the, the oil of the anointing of Mashiach. So it was hidden. So nobody could find it. It said that one client knew, when they were looking, 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 he said, where's the can that was hidden for Mashiach? Where's the can? So they continued looking, because after a while they should have given up. So this can, and that's, it brings down that why do we have eight days of Hanukkah, not seven? The first day wasn't a miracle. It was enough oil for the first day. It's because the can, when he poured it out, the Kohen, for the first day, it refilled. So that happened eight times, even on the first day. So that's why we have eight days, not seven days. So this can had Yaakov looked around and not said, I'm not going on the ladder. He would have seen that there's a can of oil that Hashem put right next to you that's going to be the menorah when the, when the darkest days of the Jewish nation is going to be the menorah it's the can of the Beis HaMikdash it's the can of Mashiach ben David it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the can of David HaMelech right he would have realized that Hashem what he's saying that we'll never get thrown off the right that we would never get thrown off the ladder but he didn't see it he didn't see this little teeny can till after he woke up he didn't find this little teeny can of absolutely pure oil because we could have used the regular oil which is when everyone's tummy you could use any tummy oil but specifically the Jewish nation we said we are not going to open up a new Beis HaMikdash after all this darkness with a can of tummy oil even though you are allowed to and HaKadosh Baruch Hu was so proud that we didn't just want to be yaitz the Shabbat yaitz the mitzvah because we could have used a regular can of oil. What well, we said for our God, we're opening up this base on me. We're just, we're just, we're just going to keep looking till we find something. So it's, 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 it's a husband and wife relationship. And Hashem was so proud that my children didn't want to just be yaitza, you know, just light it with anything. But they were looking for me for something special. So He wants the whole world to know that. So we put a menorah in the window. But we, we're the wife. We don't want to take credit for this relationship. So we're like, no, 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 no. The miracle is the war. Because in the war, 
Hashem did everything for us. It was a teeny little army against a huge army. So when we talk to Hashem, it's such a beautiful shot. When we talk, when you have a husband and a wife talking, right? So the wife tells the husband, what you did was unbelievable. And the husband tells the wife, nah, 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 nah. What you did was unbelievable. That's a good marriage. A bad marriage is when the husband tells the wife, do you know what I did for you? And when the wife says to the husband, you think you did something for me? Do you know what I did for you? That's a bad marriage. So here, here, this is a good marriage. When we're talking in Al-Hanisim, and we're davening, we're talking to Hashem, we're not talking, we're talking to Hashem, we're saying, the war, the war, the war, the war, the war, the war. Look what you did for us. Hashem says, wow, what I did for you? No, you show the world what you did for me. That you went and you didn't give up until you found pure olive oil. So put that in your window. Show all the, the rest of the world what our relationship is. So we're showing our love for God. Right? We're showing our love for God when we dive into Him. God says, no, I want to show the world my love for you because of what you did for me. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole, that's what Hanukkah is all about. So he says that the oil, the can of oil was a small little teeny can. It's called a pachin cotton. It was a little teeny can, but it was pure. And that's what Hashem wants from us. He wants something from every person that we need to give God that's just pure. Like this girl. Just one size bigger to make everyone who walks in the store feel good about themselves. It's such a pure thought. I don't know how she came up with this. It's such a pure thought. She's in Ghana, there's nothing to talk about. Because when you have a pure thought, it doesn't burn for one day, it burns for eight days. Eight days in Kabbalah, eight is above Teva. Eight is Nais. Seven is Teva, eight is Nais. You don't have to be, everyone thinks you have to be a rabbi and, and a rebbitzin and you, and you have to be, you have to be in a position where you're, where you're teaching or you're the rabbi's wife or you're at Sadekista. No, look at this girl, look what she did. For 10 years, everyone who walked in that store never knew that she set this whole thing up to make them feel good. Wow! It's a pure little can of oil. That burns forever. That's a good deed. That burns forever. Yosef at Tzadik, at the end of Parshish Vayichi, right, when it says Vayamas Yosef, he died, and they buried him in Mitzrayim, the next thing we say is, Chazak, Chazak, Minis Chazek. It should give you strength. When you see, when you see someone who made a statement, not that long before, I am the master of the house. Everything in this house belongs to me. And he ends up, at the end of Parshish Vayichi, saying, Nothing belongs to me, and anything that you ever did wrong to me, you didn't do it. Hashem did it, and He did it for my good. Lataiva, look how far a person can move. Don't think you can't do it. Yosef was was there. He was like, "It's me." Look how he ended up. That's 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 the nace of Hanukkah. The nace of Hanukkah is that a teeny little thing, a teeny little thing. If it's pure, if it's pure, and there's no ulterior motive, it's forever. And it says to, it says to Aaron Akoin, Hashem said to Aaron Akoin, your children, the, the nace of Hanukkah, will be until Mashiach comes. Besamidish's menorah is not on. Besamidish is not here. But Hanukkah is still on. Because Klai Yisrael went and did not give up. They looked and they searched and they cleaned. And I told the girls today in seminary, it's a very important lesson to us because Ner is, is Neshama. Ner is Neshama. And it says very, if you, if you look in Alanisim, the way that, the way that they lit it, I would have run in there, right, with a, 
I would have run in there. We just beat the Greeks. I'm back in my, I'm back in my base Hamigdash. I mean, we didn't have the base Hamigdash for all that time. I'm back in the base Hamigdash. I would have ran up to that menorah, took my hutra b'tzibur. I would have put all the oil in. I would have said, guys, get over here. Let's light the menorah. You know, like, like the six day war when they got to the coast of Maravi. Right? That's what I would have done. I would have been, wow, we're here. Let's light the menorah. We could use any oil we want. Look what they did. It says, Ba'achakach, they won the war slowly. They turned over the whole heichel, cleaned out all the getchkes, all the iPhones, all the DVDs, all the internet and Facebooks. I had to get that in. Right? They cleaned it all out. Then they understood you can't have the two at one time. They first went in and they turned everything over. And then they cleaned everything up. Then they made everything holy. And they said, now, now that we're going to light the menorah for God, don't, you don't first light the menorah and then clean up your mess. You first clean up your mess and then you light the menorah. So a person who comes on Hanukkah, the lesson is that you have to go inside yourself and you, and you have to, ufino you got to straighten things out inside. Then v'tiaru is migdashecha. You got to bring tahara. You got to bring purity to your soul. Not with all the garbage that's out there. If so many girls tell me, Wallstein, I have no connection with Hashem. How do I get a connection with Hashem? I get that question ten times a day. I daven, I don't feel him. I talk to him, you give schmoozing, I don't feel him. I don't think he's there. I'm un- disconnected from Hashem. And I'm like, here, look at, look at Alanisim. You want to get connected to Hashem? First, the finu echalecha, matiyah zmigdashecha. Then be liku nero. When you want to light that candle, you want to light that neshama inside of you, don't first light the neshama and then go watch your movies and all your other rock and roll and whatever else you're listening to. The light's going to go out. It's going to get dim. No, learn from them. The, to get a miracle, that to go in there first, Get all the getchkas out. They threw, there was, there were pigs and there was a Vaidizara. The Greeks filled up the whole base of Middle with all their Greek mythology and all their idols and all their sports and, 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 and Olympics and all that stuff. First thing the Kohanim came in and said, clean up everyone. Let's get this all out. Now, let's make it holy. Now, let's light the menorah. That kind of menorah, that kind of menorah is lit forever. That kind of menorah lit life for eight days. That's above Teva. That's what we need to do. On Hanukkah, we have to go inside ourselves and we have to start cleaning up. Our base Hamidash, because it says everyone's soul is the base Hamidash. So if you want to light the menorah and you want to get the connection and you want to have that nair inside your soul, you got to get rid, of, get, get rid of all the garbage. The schus of this girl and what she did for every single person that she did it for, Bezrat Hashem, and her schus, we should be able to see her back. And everybody should have a list of the Hanukkah. Thank you for coming. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.